Welcome to Merrickville. Good afternoon, Sydney producer Liam here. Unfortunately, Merrick has succumbed to the man flu, which is bad news for him, but good news for you because it means we get to play some of the best bits we've done in Merrickville recently. Coming up in this hour, we'll speak to the New Zealand police officer about the spate of avocado thefts taking place over the Dutch and Aussie surfing legend Mick Fanning drops by Merrickville. But up next, we want to hear about your shit band names. Cam, I was never uh, into music at school. I was one of those kids that had to get, you know, the thing that looked like a fish and it had all the scales on it. You'd run it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of those things. Yeah. What about yourself? Are you a muser? We I had hit, to... I rooms that you might have been in a band. <laughs> <laughs> That's the we, we had, Yeah, I actually, when I was like 17 and 18, I was in a band. We were just a three-piece acoustic band. Oh, and we so were delightful. Oh, mate, we were grunged inspired <laughs> But it was still acoustic, so we sort of thought that we sounded like Nirvana meets Alice in Chains. Oh, you and we not, did all harmonies and stuff. I haven't heard your music, but you and I don't know. No, we weren't at all. But how's this, right? Um, one of the band members' sister, she started managing us. And this is in Adelaide, by the way. And oh, we, I guess that part. Yeah. And then we ended up, we, we called ourselves we called ourselves Damascus because I had uh, shoulder-length shoulder hair, which I dyed black, and on the box it was called Damascus Black. So there, there was the name for the band, Damascus, because bad. of some hair dye. Oh, no, it's not yeah. good. Uh, it's, it's not it's great. It sounds I mean, like I'm in a heavy metal band, it's Damascus. It's such an earnest name to give yourself as a band. It's too. also a biblical city. Yeah. Like no, I told my dad. It's in Syria. Syria. Yeah, it's yeah. In Syria. <laughs> it's like, what are you it's doing, a mate? It's <laughs> <laughs> Hot spot for rock and roll. Um, we ended up on a compilation CD of Adelaide bands of punk, heavy metal and rock and roll. And then there's us, three-piece acoustic in the middle of the thing with a song called Smile. And, oh. it, and that was it. It's the lamest okay. song. It is the la And how's this? Uh, we broke up because I ended up sleeping with our manager, who was one of the mm. band members' <laughs> sisters. Mm. And then uh, we only had <laughs> done five good. gigs, and one of the the other band member freaked out, saying, "We're getting too successful, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting too successful." And Again, Adelaide. <laughs> Adelaide. We've been, done five gigs and ended up on a compilation CD, and it was all too much yeah. for him. Seven turn said, "What do you guys want to be? Do you want to be Super Jesus? No, let's pull the pin now. We're out." Well, <laughs> we dug into the archives. It's, oh, yeah. it's not a Triple M. Condone oh. song, but we do have a sample. Okay. So smile so this by is, Damascus. This, this is originally what year is this, Cam? Before oh, you hear mate. It? Oh, so, 1996 or 1997. Oh, 1997. Is, I can wait for Here the we What? <laughs> you like it, don't you? You know what? Yeah. Seriously? Ooh. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I got you over. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was truly awful. It hurt me a little bit. Walk the walk, play the talk. <laughs> Let laughter guide you. Let laughter guide you to your heaven is the lyric. I'm sorry. What? You didn't That's... say you didn't say you were a Christian. Like <laughs> that is it's absurd. It's absurd. Okay, one triple three five three. Let's open up the uh, you won't be ridiculed like Cam's Cam, it wasn't that bad. It, it genuinely wasn't that bad. I mean it wasn't it wasn't um, great, but it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I want to open up the phones. What was your band name? Your band name was Damascus. Damascus. Which at the time seemed like a really good idea, but yeah. that is like, that is literally like naming your band Syria. Yeah. yeah they yeah. were going to go it's with okay. Aleppo, but they changed. <laughs> it didn't yeah. work out. Um, Dion and Manly. Hello, Dion. How are you, big fella? Very good indeed. All right. Hit us with the name of your band. And where, first of all, tell us how it came about and then tell us the name. Uh, I think it's a bit of a location joke. So, uh, I think we were coming into where we were playing for the, the night and we hadn't settled on a name and basically we came up with it. And? Rear Access Denied. Oh, Ooh, Rear oh. Access Denied. So that sounds a bit punk too, actually. Sounds mm. a bit, it sounds a bit homophobic too. <laughs> <laughs> it does. What sort of music was it? Oh, it was rubbish. I think we were <laughs> It's a solid genre. <laughs> ben in Hoxton Park. Hello, mate. Hey, yeah, go. Good, mate. All right, what was the name of your band? It was called Slim Boys Fat. Slim Boys Back. Slim fat. Boys Fat. Slim Boys Fat. Fat Boys Slim. So oh, like, like Fat Boys Slim, but, but Slim Boys Fat. Yeah. I cannot believe that that didn't take off. How many members <laughs> in the band? <laughs> Still three. 
Three, three of you. And what sort of music did you play, Ben? We just played covers, mate. Pretty much uh, alternatives. Things like Helmet back in the day. Oh, Ringo. Helmet. Yeah, man. They're a great Adelaide band. <laughs> yeah. From Adelaide. yeah, they're from Adelaide. Oh. Helmet. One of the members is from, I think one of the members is from Adelaide. Not entirely, uh, uh, you know, take, you can't take full credit for it. But I think <laughs> the drummer, I think the drummer from yeah, Helmet is right. from Adelaide. Okay. Hardest drummer in the world at one stage. Right. Um, next to Dave Grohl. The two hardest drummers in the world. Hit the skins the hardest. Why do you know this about Helmet? Know, good band, you know man. Because they, they wrote an album called uh, Betty. That was a wicked what? album, man. Yeah, but what about Slim yep. Boy's Fat? Slim Boy's Fat, mate. Who gives a shit about them? <laughs> They're awful. Let's get back to talking about Helmet, for Christ's sake. Got Dan and Cornell. Hello, Dan. Hey, man. How you going? Very good indeed. Were you in a band? What was it called? Well, it was in uh, high school, and it was like uh, just a half a band because uh, we started it, and uh, we called our band uh, Priestiality and the Altar Boys. <laughs> yes, yes, that's excellent. Uh, we wrote we wrote half a song, then the teachers found out, and uh, we we were shortly disbanded thereafter. What was the song about? Uh, it was just called Spit in My Mouth. <laughs> this is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. An incredible story here, Loz. New Zealand avocado thieves are on a spree. That's right. New Zealand's avocado thieves are being forced to get creative this season by selling their stolen avos on Facebook and police are intensifying their efforts to catch them. Due to increasing demand for avocados, there have been dozens of nighttime raids on orchards (laughs) by thieves in the upper North Island. Yeah, like avocado theft is such a massive problem. They're going in there and stealing them at night. They're the worst New Zealand avocado thieves. They're always going for low-hanging fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sergeant Trevor Brown from the Western Bay of Plenty said that the avocado crime has escalated since last year, and he joins us on the line now from the Bay of Plenty. Hello, Sergeant Trevor Brown. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you, uh, Mercantile. Uh, Hello, uh, Sergeant Brown. It's Lawrence Moody speaking. Uh, Bay of Plenty is a beautiful part of the of the New Zealand North Island. Uh, yes. Now, you said that uh, farmers or some growers are taking matters into their own hands by chasing thieves. What are they doing with yes. them when they catch them? Uh, well, they, um, some of them are murdering them, which is a little extreme. I mean, it's just an avocado, but it's clearly they've got the ground to bury them and they've been burying them. Um, some of them are, are just uh, inviting them in for tea and a discussion. So, you know, there are different levels of extremism there because mm. you've got some people who want to kill and bury and then you've got a couple of people who just want to invite them in and say, look, what are you doing? Stealing bloody avocados. <laughs> and what have we established... Um what the thieves are doing with the avocados. Are they selling them on the black market or are they using yes. them in the kitchen? No, it looks as though they, there is some sort of um, organised syndicate where they're um, sending the uh, avocados to other parts of the country and also to, uh, I believe, to Sydney and Australia as well. Apparently there's a shortage there because all the bloody hipsters have been eating the avocados instead of buying themselves some real estate. They've been eating avocados and we've been, uh, we've been selling them there. Yes, so we are mad on a smashed avo over here, Sergeant Brown. So some of them are making their way over here. Are you you suggesting that people are smuggling avocados out of the country? Yes, that's what I believe. I think sometimes uh, people are taking avocados out of New Zealand illegally and they're taking Mm. them to other countries, stashed, I would believe, in parts of their body. So I believe some people who are impersonating a men with elephantitis are taking the avocados two by two, putting Mm. them on parts of their body and smuggling them out of the country. Oh, right, so pretending I I actually do, I do myself actually have um, a couple of avocados, massive, massive avocados myself, huge ones. In fact, uh, they started quite small, to be honest, and Mm. then um, I went away for a little while, left my wife, and uh, went away for a little trip, and Mm. then um, by the time I got back, my avocados were huge. And what did you do to them? What did you do to encourage the growth with your own avocados? Oh, look, I just think that it just um, negligence. I think it's. Uh, I think that's one of the things that Ignoring makes Ignoring them? Yes, that's it. When they're ignored, negligence seems to make them grow really massive. You know what the funny thing is, too? Wasn't those green-style avocados? They're kind of like mm. a purple. You know, have you seen those purple avocados? Yeah, with a really rough skin, quite rough wrinkly skin. skin. Yeah, oh, you know, it looks kind of, um, in parts, kind of veiny. Like they've got like you know these those avocados. That's what mm. we grow. Those kind of veiny purple avocados. And got some a people suggest 
uh, if, if, you, uh, if your avocados aren't quite ripe, to massage them, to really get the thumb in That's there true. and massage them. Do you massage your avocados, Sergeant Brown? Oh, absolutely. You've got to take good care of them because you've got to treat them like they like their children, or that they could make children. You know, that you've, you've got to mm. you've got to treat them like they're uh, a part of your own, you know, um, body. You've got to yep. you've got to get in there and okay. give them a good, good. a good bit good of rubbing. care. Now, yeah. um, avocados <laughs> are obviously being stolen. Uh, it's good to good good to hear your laugh in these grim times, Sergeant Brown. What other part? I what other? It's, it's, I think it's your producer. He must find this show immensely entertaining. Oh, that's Liam. He's from uh, Adelaide. He's a lion. Uh, and no, he's he's a Liam. He's from Adelaide. Have you ever heard oh. of Adelaide? Oh God, no! I wouldn't go to I wouldn't go to a place like that. I'm from New Zealand. Why would I want to downgrade? Yeah, that's true. Uh, what other things are hot on the uh, on the crime list at the moment? What other th- crimes are happening in New Zealand? Well, there's been um, a, a quite a theft uh, too in the other agricultural sector of plums. We've got a lot of plums here now. Mm. I actually have a couple of plums myself. And, Massive plums. Uh, they're huge, huge plums. Mm. They're the kind of they're the dark plums. Have you seen? Have you seen dark yes. plums? Yes, I, have. I, don't if, I don't know if you've got them there yourself, do you? Yes. What about grapes? Do you have grapes? <laughs> huge grapes. Huge grapes. I've got a couple of really big grapes. And these, mm. they're, the, they're the purple variety. Have you seen those purple right. grapes yep. that you could get? Those what ones. A, what about a sweet potato? Have you got a sweet potato? <laughs> <laughs> Sergeant Brown, are you there? So, yes. <laughs> Check in to make sure that my sweet potatoes are still there. And they are. They're coming up a cropper. You know what the funny thing is, though? For some reason, my sweet potatoes have got a whole lot of eyes on them, and they look like little tiny eyes. You know, they, mm. and they've, they, it's their purple variety of sweet potato. Have you seen the purple <laughs> variety of sweet potato? I think we'll leave it there, Sergeant Brown, a man <laughs> that loves his vegetables. He's got a couple of massive plums, some avocados, and a sweet potato. Uh, <laughs> New Zealand's finest, finest year on Triple M. This is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Bit of a local story. The New South Wales government has spent a tidy little $12.7 million on advertising for the Tomorrow's Sydney Computer Commuter, not Computer, Commuter Disruption Campaign. So, you know, there's a lot of tunnels being built at the mm. moment. Uh, there's the, We've got the West Connects, we've got the light rail. It's, it's all over the place. Everywhere you go in Sydney at the moment, it feels as though there's some sort of major infrastructure going on, which of course we need. Not arguing that, you know, if, if the tunnels seem to be the most viable option. I mean, look, the Cross City Tunnel, that's been amazing. Yeah. The way it doesn't connect to the hey, distributor the is fantastic. I nearly, I nearly used it efficiently one day and I went, whoa, hang on a second. Did I nearly spend eight bucks going where I wanted? No, thank you. Mez, what would you say if I could get the Cross City Tunnel named in your honour? I would not have that blemish <laughs> on my reputation. I would ra- I'm going to start I would, a campaign. I would, no, I would rather have a campaign it. that has said that I've I'm wanted for questioning by the police. I'm going to doctor your will so that it says your Do final n- wish is to have this uh, cross city tunnel renamed the Merrick Watts Memorial Tunnel. Don't. It's got you thinking about Don't. your death now, hasn't no, it? No, no, no. I'm just thinking I'm only slightly more popular than that tunnel. <laughs> says a lot. So the uh, Tomorrow's Sydney, Tomorrow's Sydney campaign. Uh, to inform people that the reason why they're having a shocking time in traffic is because we're upgrading the roads, $12.7 million. But here's a great one. The government has also spent a further $423,000 to track its effectiveness. Not not, not, of the infrastructure. Not not, not of the infrastructure. Not of the infrastructure. No, no. That's $420,000 somebody has been paid to come back and say, yeah, you know what? Tomorrow's Sydney, as a campaign... Is having a real effect. Those billboards that we spent 12... Here's the thing. If you've spent $12.7 million and you haven't had an effect in advertising, you're a, possibly you're a radio company. I don't know. <laughs> I like the idea it is one It is one person who's been paid that. Yep. And they're just walking around going, what do you reckon? Pretty oh, good. That's yeah, pretty good. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you $423,000. Well, thank you. Because I did say it was effective. <laughs> You've got to ask yourself, who was the Brains Trust that came up with Sydney's Tomorrow as an ad campaign? That's right. A group of men, women wouldn't have been involved. They're way too logical and have far too much to offer. It would have been a bunch of blokes possibly, and they're sitting in a room, and they had to come up with the idea to sell through to Sydney why they need a campaign so that they can offset all the damage that's done publicly with the, the traffic 
problems and snarls that have been created by Sydney's, tomorrow's Sydney. Gents, thanks for your time. I've got a pretty important initiative to work on for the New South Wales government. Does it involve fireworks? Of course it does. It's in Sydney. Uh, now, you may have noticed that there's a hell of a lot of roadworks going on around Sydney. Oh, what an absolute disaster. What, what f- we came up with that idea? We did. Remember? Oh, yeah, it was after that pub lunch. Mm. Oh, that's right. Six billion dollars? I, I think I had the schnitzel. Yeah, you did. Mm. I had the pork knuckle. Yeah, how good were those German beers? Did oh. you... It was a hefeweizen. So good. Oh, brilliant. Hoppy. Anyway, uh, we've cost the taxpayers $6 billion. Shit, how, how much were the schnitzels? No, it wasn't the schnitzels. It was the infrastructure planning where we agreed that we should build heaps of tunnels. Oh, those tunnels. Jeez, you'd have to be so blind. We were. I was munted. <laughs> anyway, now we have to come up with a marketing plan that makes people in Sydney think our tunnels plan is awesome. What have you got? Tunnels. They're awesome. Oh, that's good. Really good. That would work for the Olympics too, I reckon. Jeff? What about Sydney? Today, tomorrow and beyond. Great. What does it mean? Nothing. Perfect. It's too long. It confuses me. Too many big words. Yeah, he's right. I was losing interest there halfway. Halfway? It's only five words long. Sydney, today, tomorrow and beyond. Yeah, short, punchy, but let Sydney know that even though they're paying for it now, they're really going to pay for it in the future. Tomorrow's Sydney? Yeah, exactly. They're rooted. No, no, no. That's the slogan. Tomorrow's Sydney. Oh, love it. That is great. Job well done. Hey, who feels like a schnitzel? Yeah. Here comes the money. Sorry, I think you've forgotten the bit where you give me some money. Because someone has to pay Merrick's salary. Here's a word from our sponsor. From Melbourne's Mean Streets. You could say this was the murder we missed. A story you'll have to hear to believe. He said he was a 200-year-old vampire. Why was Shane Chantra's abbot gunned down before giving evidence? Two men shot him down. It's a mystery within a mystery within a mystery. Listen now to this untold true crime story from Adam Shand. The Trials of the Vampire at podcast1.com.au or download the app. This is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Now, about a week or so ago, I was talking about a car that I'd spotted, the new Mercedes-Benz X-Class Ute. That's right, Mercedes have developed a Ute and they will be bringing it to Australian shores early next year. And I was having a chat about it. Turns out, I've just got the bloody ambassador just walk into the studio. Mick Fanning, welcome to the studio. Oh, yeah. Good how good's that? So we were having this discussion only two weeks ago about how the Australian market will, uh, will embrace the Mercedes-Benz X-Class Ute. And you're bloody here, I'm here. as the ambassador. <laughs> yeah. Have you got one already? Have you driven no, one? No, I haven't. No, we. Uh, I went to Stuttgart uh, in Germany uh, probably about a month or so ago, and we did the photo shoot. Um, I didn't get to drive it, but um, it was just stuck in the studio. But thing looks pretty good. What car did you uh, first have when you were growing up as a young bloke, uh, heading to the beaches my, to surf? Yeah, my first ever car was a Ford Laser, actually. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's Mum's car. Nah, it was mine. <laughs> I uh, I got my first paycheck from a sponsor, and I just went straight down and bought a, a car. It was the, the only one I could afford. Yeah, so, yeah. obviously not uh, not a very big sponsor. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was only young. Come on, I just got my piece. Yeah, it's got a paycheck and to go down and get a laser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what color car was it? It was cream, actually. Yeah, Ooh, cream really, laser. Really flattering. On yeah. special, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, probably was. Uh, and what about with your boards and stuff like that? How'd you get around with, with surfboards and a laser? Uh, just put down the back seats. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. the window, a bit of, a little bit of it out the window. Uh, no, it's actually fit. All right. Are you a car enthusiast, Mick? Um, I have been over the years now. I sort of just, um, I'm happy just to cruise around in, you know, something comfortable. Well, when you say that, what you actually mean is the Mercedes Benz X-Class Ute. There's a yeah. few people outside <laughs> the studios just going, he's talking about the Ute is what he's talking about. <laughs> Um, so you, you have, obviously you've got, uh, a license to drive. You are into water sports, but what other sports do you enjoy, Mick, when you're not kind of, you know, in your own leisure time? Do you play golf? Do you? I hate golf. You're probably not the losing one, any friends saying that. Yeah. It's probably the one sport that I actually hate the most, but, um. Is it because you shit at it? Nah, like I played for a while. I just, I just every time I finished, so I just had a. You're I just good at a, it, but you but you don't like it. I That's say even worse. I good, but um, I just got a headache after it. It just wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> Have you tried 
drinking. Whilst yeah, you're yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then I just get more into the drinking side of it and forget the game. So yeah. I just walk off. Um, now, nah, look, I'm into f- pretty much all sports. You know, footy. Yeah. All all the codes of footy. I love watching. Um, when I am home, I love to play touch footy with with the boys at home. Um, yeah. Do you have to be careful about you know injuring yourself because. You know, you've got a professional sporting career. Yeah, I, I have hurt myself. I've rolled an ankle here and there um, playing indoor soccer and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you know the risks. Is it difficult to try and, uh, you know, get coaching for a sport? Like, because I'm thinking with surfing, right? It's not like a, it's not like soccer or any f- kind of football at all where you have coaches and you have that constant, you know, you have drills and you have all those kind of methodologies that you follow to make you good at it. With surfing, you've just got to kind of teach yourself a bit, don't you? Um, I think initially you can, you, like, uh, I had a coach for, you know, my years when I was going for world titles and stuff like that. Um, what do they say when you're surfing? They say, be more gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> get, get more tube. Throw more shuckers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, we, we would sort of, it, it was always good just to have, um, an extra set of eyes on the beach, but also he'd, he'd come up with, um, you know, just different techniques or, you know, and just sort of, um, more so like when it comes to competition days, just having some, an extra set of eyes on the beach, he might see one thing, I'll see something else and we'll come together and, um, try and figure out the best plan of attack for that, uh, time, um, but also, he would just be throwing new, fresh ideas at me all the time, which sort of kept it really exciting, kept it really fun. So Mick Fanny, always a pleasure to have you in the studios, mate. Best of luck uh, with competition, and also to the best of luck with your new deal with Mercedes-Benz, the X-Class U. It's been great to have you in the studios. Thanks very much. Be Thanks safe. for having me. This is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Gladys Berejiklian's government uh, is going to leave Sydney with a lopsided patchwork of councils. We know that they were trying to, you know, make super councils. Mm. That was the thing we heard, you know. Uh, mergers everywhere. My council was merged, uh, but they've abandoned the policy to, uh, of the local mm. government amalgamations very, halfway through. Very funny uh, front page of the Daily Telegraph this morning. Gladys backflipping. Oh, that was very good. good. Yeah, thought it was good. Oh. They've earned their money. You know, there's like literally a person there in the Daily Telegraph. They just pull out of a box and go, headline, go Gary. Yeah. And he goes, Gladys backflipping. And yeah. they go, that doesn't even make sense, Gary. Go well, home, Gary. Go, you are done. <laughs> and get yourself some hot chips. From the day, get Gary. yourself some hot chips, Gary, and a cold beer. You've done very well. Well, the Premier's announced uh, yesterday that her government is walking away from its policy of merging the city councils and uh, the challenged amalgamation after the challenged amal- amalgamation in the court. Now, here's the thing. For some people in some council, this is a good thing to have an amalgamation, to bring councils together, right? Uh, in other areas, it's not a good idea. Like I said, I live in a super council. We used to be part of one council. Now we're formed up with three others. And honestly, I haven't noticed the difference. It doesn't make any difference to me. But some people get upset. The biggest thing is the politicians don't have the answers. They can't figure out with all the borders and who, you know, oh, yeah. you butt them up against this, but then do you bring in this council? You need somebody with clear, decisive action. Who is that person? It's me. <laughs> Great consternation about the merger of New South Wales councils. Recently, my very own council, Leichhardt Council, merged with Ashfield and Marrickville councils to create a super council known as the Inner West. We're almost as good as the eastern suburbs, but don't have the beaches, so we'll make up for it with our sense of social justice, even though none of us actively do anything about social justice beyond signing online petitions and purchasing shitty handmade crafts at the Roselle Markets on a Saturday super council. Importantly... Midnight is still Tuesday. What Sydney needs is less geographical division, resulting in less social division. I propose a merger of councils that do not share borders under a new initiative, Councils Sans Frontières. Let's merge Mossman Council with Bankstown. Too long have wealthy women struggling through menopause been denied access to decent drive-by shootings. Council Sons Frontiers. Vaucluse Council to merge with Blacktown. Imagine the money saved on council clean-up fees. Vaucluse turf all their unwanted electrical goods onto their nature strips one day in a Blacktown commish the next. Blacktown could experience Christmas four times a year. Cronulla Council to merge with Lakemba. <laughs> Just kidding. That's never going to happen. Hornsby to merge with Heathcote to create the leafy but utterly boring Super Council and market themselves as the place to live when you're given up on being interesting to other people. 
And finally, Narrabeen could merge with Palm Beach, Manly, DY, Freshwater, excuse me, Harbord, Mona Vale, Newport and everything in between. Because let's be honest, unless you're from the Northern Beaches, everyone reckons you're all the bloody same anyway. White people who dream of living in Byron Bay. Uh, shut up, you bogans. I can hear you whinging from across the bridge. Council's Sons Frontiers. This is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. First of all, I want to ask you, Sydney, and this is an opinion-based. I, I want to kick off the show today with an opinion-based thing because I think everyone in Sydney... Isn't that how you kick off most shows, just giving your opinion? No, it's not, no, no, no. I'm asking for other people's opinions. Oh, you're going to take just, other people's opinions yeah, yeah, on board? Yeah, yeah, you know how I normally... Wow. Yeah, I know. Normally, I just ask myself for my own opinion. One, which, triple, three, five, three, your charts to give your opinion, and mm-hmm. Merrick will listen. This is amazing. And uh, I will also give my own opinion oh, as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, there's, there's no show without punch, mate. Um, so here's the thing. We've got see, these new trains that the New South Wales government have brought in, right? Mm. And they're, they're kind of these new Butte uh, fleet of trains. It's cost a tight little $2.3 billion. Now, these are great trains. They're Korean built. Uh, so I think technically they could be ICBTs, Intercontinental Ballistic Trains. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway... <laughs> Turns out uh, that these great trains we've got, which anywhere else in the world are like, they're the Megillah, they're the Ducks Guts, they're the best bloody trains. But of course, when they get to Sydney, we just go, oh, hang on. Oh, no, no, no. The rule of thumb in Sydney is that if it's a part of infrastructure or transport, it has to be a ginormous cock-up. Mm. So, What's going wrong with the trains? $2.3 billion worth of new trains don't fit the rails. Hold on. Yeah. No, that's 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 like the one uh-huh. piece of criteria for a new train must fit on existing rails. That's right. And we che- we didn't bother to check that one off. Gary, did you measure the trains? <laughs> no, I thought Troy was doing it. No, Troy didn't. He's let us Two point three billion. They probably just thought they'll fit. Yeah, they'll fit. Yep. Yeah. We'll just yeah, force them in fit. There. So what's going to happen? And they're going to get to the platforms. It's going to be <laughs> boom, 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 and then all aboard, and then off. <laughs> it's only specifically between Spring, Springwood and Lithgow, right? So they're going to have to do a whole lot of upgrades of rails and the overhead wires and everything like that. Mm. But the fact is that currently $2.3 billion worth of trains don't fit it. Now, the problem is very specifically, it's been written down here, uh, that it is too long and too wide. Now, that is not a problem that I've <laughs> experienced ever before. I'm more of a light rail kind of guy. <laughs> I just like the light rail. No one's paying me to do it. Well <laughs> <laughs> oh, done. <clears throat> so Sydney, one triple three. <laughs> wow, this could not be a more appropriate call out. What's Sydney's biggest cock up? Oh, good. I reckon that as much as we all love this city, we also ha- we love bagging it out and finding fault in it because it drives because it's crazy. our city and we're allowed to. It's expensive to. and it drives us crazy. Exactly. So. Is it the Cross City Tunnel? Is it the Lane Cove Tunnel? The M5, the tunnel at the M5, we all know is a disaster, but just the M5 generally. Is it the Entertainment Quarter? Oh, interesting. Because that's a big place, right? It's a big piece of property that other than the comedy store Mm. really doesn't have a lot to Yeah, it can be a bit of a ghost town. It doesn't have to be obviously road-based. No, no, no. Infrastructure. I am going to throw a road-based one at you, Mez. As you, if you're heading north, as you exit the Harbour Tunnel or the Harbour Bridge, those signs... Right, yes, yes, telling yes. you which lane you need to be in, yeah, to turn where, yeah, could not be more confusing. Too little, too late, too. Could He's not going, be more confusing. Should have told me that before. What, what? If you're I'm, a Falcon tourist, Street, Falcon Street, what Falcon Street's back there? Where's Falcon Street, hang on a second. Do I, I so many times, like, because I drive to Channel Nine every week. I have to go over the bridge, humble and as brag. I go out there, yeah. humble brag, yeah. you know, my other job, my you know that that high paying executive <laughs> job I've got at Channel Nine, which is very important to them, I'm sure. And as I'm driving over it, like you do that, you just go, hang on a second, where am I going? Will it be? Where am I going? And then the amount of times I've almost driven into the pylon because I can't make up my mind which freaking lane to take. And that pylon just jumps out of nowhere. Yeah. Also, tell me when the tolls are coming so I can get my bloody e-tag out. I don't have it fixed. You know, currently it's got gaffer tape. I've gaffer taped it to the freaking dash of my car. That's another problem. Taking your calls. Let's get a vote. Let's uh, get a little bit of a poll going on. Maddie in Hornsby. Hello, mate. 
Hey, buddy, how you doing? Very good. Biggest uh, cock up that we face in this city, mate. The internet in oh. this city Bang. is much worse than several African countries. Like it's ridiculous. It's terrible, mate. Maddie, you're talking about obviously the NBN rollout. I was just whinging about it. It literally collapsed in my house today. My wife got on the phone to the NBN. And they said, if we want it to run faster, we have to pay for it. And we're like, what do you reckon we've done? That's called taxes, you halfwit. Good Lord. No, I know. Let's get to David in Smithville. Hello, mate. There you go, fellas. You're a very good biggest cock um, up in Sydney. It's got to be the Northwest Rail Link. Because, I mean, to save a few bucks, they drilled a smaller diameter tunnel, which means that they need to buy special trains for that line that are smaller, mm-hmm. which means if any, any of those trains break down, they can't be replaced with any other rolling stock that's already on the system. Yeah. they don't fit. Ag- now, again, I, too long, too wide. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that would be a bit true, yeah. Are you, sorry, Dave, are you saying there's a specialised tunnel for small trains, Mez, small that you don't know about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they've got them in Asia. <laughs> Possible. Possible. <laughs> Could you go to Brian from Dundas? Too Brian, long, what's a bit too big... wide for the tunnel, Liam? What's the... <laughs> Not a problem. I hello, Brian in Dundas. Hello. Good day, mate. Um, yeah, the Sydney Opera House has actually set a bit of a record for a cock up. Oh. Okay, All right, that's a big call because that is a pretty good tourist destination. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the original quote came in at seven million. Final invoice cost was one hundred and two million. One of the biggest blowouts of the budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, but the thing is, though, Brian, at least everybody in the city and everybody in the country and in the world generally can enjoy it at some stage, right? You're never going through the M5 tunnel and just go, you know what? This is quaint. This 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 will look good on a postcard. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Let's get to so many calls. Let's get to Cameron in Palmy. Hello, mate. Hey, mate. What's the biggest cock up? The monorail. Oh, the monorail. It's gone now. You know that, Cameron. You know where it's but gone. It was, it was that bad that no one even used it. It was that expensive. And then they had to, we had to pay even more to get it whipped out because it was an eyesore. Dan and Cornell. Hello, mate. Now, just before we get to Dan, I believe that this is the most common right? caller we've been getting through. I think this is the winner. This is the winner. Of Sydney's biggest cock-up. Okay. All right. Whoa. Here we go. Sydney's biggest infrastructural cock-up. Dan and Cornell. Tell us what it is. Mate, it is by far and away the desalination plant. Because oh. they spent what I think it was over two billion dollars on it. Yep. And as soon as they declared, right, this is done, drought broke, hasn't been used since. Not only are they paying to keep an inactive desalination plant maintained, uh, the other like, a couple of years ago, the uh, tornado came and just had violent prison sex with it. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. I, that's not good. Dan's suggestion: What if we extended the Cross City Tunnel? So it got to the desal plant. Why, why would you link two useless things together? I mean, if we do that, mate, that's what this show is about. <laughs> this is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Here comes the money. Sorry, I think you've forgotten the bit where you give me some money. Because someone has to pay Merrick's salary. Here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Mark Boris. Every single day in Australia, people are busting their guts and starting and running their own businesses. It's a big deal. 60% of Australians are hired by small to medium-sized business owners. These guys are doing their bit, buying stock, hiring people, and paying their taxes. So what is it like to start your own business? How do you go from just running a business on the side after work to owning something much bigger? How do you make it your future? Join me on The Mentor, a weekly show on Podcast One where I speak to Aussie business owners who are working through just that. I find out what makes them tick, I help them work out their next steps for their growth and for their future. The Mentor with Mark Burris. Listen now at podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app. This is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Exercise Your Mood is a fantastic campaign by the Black Dog Institute. It runs for the month of September and it's about encouraging all Australians to feel better by being more active. Exercise is shown to improve your mood and general well-being and reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression, all of which we are susceptible at times. Triple M is right behind this, and so too is Michelle Bridges, and she joins me in the studio now. Welcome to Triple M. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an important topic, and I love talking about it, so thank you. It's a great thing. I'll tell you, I um, recently went through a body transformation because I was about 12 kilos heavier than I am now. You're looking rather slender. Yeah, svelte is the the word I like to describe myself. 
myself. Yes. But I've found by exercising five days a week during the week, it's so much better for my mind, for my clarity and for my moods. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much research out there that tells us that exercise does incredible things for the way in which we feel about ourselves, about our environment, about our you know, problems, whatever they may be. Yep. It just changes your perception on things. So, you know, we've all got issues that go on in our lives and some of them are, are, are tragic and some of them are not so tragic, but they come and go and that's called life. The best way to handle them or to at least change your perception on them is to get some exercise and moving your body. And it could be from running 10Ks to doing a yoga class to doing some meditation. All of these things can make a massive difference. And even just one session mm. can immediately have an impact on your physicality and on the way which you feel. Definitely on your moods. I find the days where I don't exercise, my mood's not as uh, vibrant. I, you know, I'm in a fairly, I come in here in a very good mood because I've got a good job and I work with good people. But before I used to exercise, I used to come in here and just tear shreds off Liam. Poor Liam there. I just, now, they did say that I before I walked him. in today. They oh, said now, he no, was but, a real. No, no, no. But now I just, now I just bully him for fun. Yeah. Now it's just purely fun bullying. And he loves he loves the bullying that I do. Is it because of the endorphins? Is that what it is? is it's it, the dolphins. It's the, the dolphins, dolphins the are dolphins. just jumping high, yeah, sky yeah. high. Look, it's um we're built to move. Um, and as soon as the you know you've got the, the chemistry running through the body, so the blood's pumping, that you know your hormones mm-hmm. and and uh, your emotions change. You get to the end of that that training session, and everything seems to just feel a little bit different. I actually went out to Silverwater Prison yesterday, in fact. What have you done? Yes. <laughs> I went out there and I trained about 30 women. Both Steve and myself went out there and did yep. that. We did a 30 minutes workout. And at the end of that workout, right at the very end, the girls were high-fiving, yep. hugging each other, woohooing, And, you know, it was that snapshot of yep. that moment that I thought, this is exactly why these ladies need to be doing some exercise and why the rest of the country needs to as well. You know why they were doing that though, Michelle? It's because you distracted the guards and one of them had done a runner. I, that's and what they're, it was. So going, I'm pretty sure it was that I actually... Sally's gone! <laughs> I'm almost certain it could have been because yeah. I brought Commando yeah. into a women's prison. But look, <laughs> hey, you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you, I saw something a little bit troubling. Uh, there's a Google alert about you uh, on the weekend. This is from the Daily Mail, so look out. Uh, I got a shot of you with this headline. And you're walking out of a shop with a bag and said, winding down. Michelle Bridges cuts a chic figure as she ditches activewear for tight leather pants on a quick run to the bottle shop. <laughs> that's that's a, a second, joyful headline, are, you, are these people insinuating that you lead your life like the rest of us? <laughs> Goodness, help me if they caught me you know, buying toilet paper or something. Oh, I'd, be, I'd be really in trouble then, wouldn't it? It's when you have to buy a, a suspect-looking cream that you don't want to be photographed, right? <laughs> or if I'm walking into some kind of fast food joint, which would never happen, Merrick, no, I can no, promise you. No, no, Sure, we all have our weak spots. What is your weakness, though? What's that thing where you just go, I cannot go past? Oh, look, I'm a big fan of, um, they've got to be good. They can't just be any kind hot chips. Yeah. Oh, I love them. But yeah, they yeah. can't just be like your run of the mill. They've got to yeah, be yeah. crispy, maybe a bit of gourmet salt, rosemary, yeah, yeah. you know, something that's got that's quite special. Hey Michelle, before we let you go, you've mentioned um the important you know, you're referencing going for walks there and being an active lifestyle. I wanted to ask you in around the exercise area, is there a minimum length that men's exercise shorts should be? Like, you know, oh, this is a good question. Out. This is a very, very a, serious question. I mean, it's, question. it's not prompted by bullying. anything. This is bullying. Just out of curiosity. This is a very serious question. And a lot of my friends, both male and female, have had this topic of discussion okay. going on for years. Well, you're a professional, so this is definitive. I, I truly believe that when things go astray, yep. shall we say, mm-hmm. That's the time to check in. Okay. Uh, okay. Are you suggesting that I should stop <laughs> running once my balls are outside of my shorts? Is that what I'm, because that's what Look, I'm hearing. Hey, you said it, Merrick, not me. <sighs> Beginning to get the message. Thank you on two but fronts. But just remind me where your running um, well, tracks was, are and I'll be staying well away from them. It's not even running. It's just going out, putting the wheelie bins out. <laughs> Michelle Bridges uh, is part of Exercise Your Mood. It's a fantastic campaign. For more details, go and visit the Black Dog Institute. Uh, thank you very much for coming in and having a chat to us. Thank you. This is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Well, I've been delving a little bit into a bit of Sydney's history. I've got a little segment going on. We don't know how long it's going to go for, probably until we get some bad feedback. It's called Sydney Uncovered. We're basically, I'll take a snapshot of something that you may have heard a little bit about Sydney, but you may not know more or enough about it. 
Uh, today, I've actually selected James Roos. You know it's going to survive long enough, at least for another couple of weeks, Mez, because we made an opener. That could be longer than me. You live in this city, but do you know what lies beneath? This is an incomplete history of Australia's first colony. This is Sydney Uncovered. Okay, so James Roos, most of us will know him from, obviously, the suburb of Roos, but also to James Roos Drive. I mean, everybody who's been um, stuck in that awesome traffic nightmare, uh, as you head from uh, Granville around, right around to the top of North Parramatta there, obviously, that is a, a huge in- interconnecting road. But the interesting thing about James Roos is he was actually Australia's first real farmer, non-Indigenous farmer, I should specify. He was the first colonist to come to Australia and actually get a bit of a fist on, on agriculture in this country because they were so smart. When they came to Australia, they went, let's get a whole lot of guys in uniform and a whole lot of convicts and no one who knows anything about farming techniques, uh, which was a bit of an oversight. Thus, some people had to eat other people in Tasmania. That was a thing. What? Yeah, man. Oh, let's not go. Let's. I'm, I can only just handle the history of Sydney. Huge. Let's not, I'll get to that. Let's not disappear oh, down mate. the yum 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 toilet of history Irish that is Tasmania. Ate the bejesus out of each other. Anyway, okay. <laughs> really some ugly stuff too. Oh, awful. Anyway, pretty grim. But James Roos didn't. He got a parcel of land and he created the first kind of agricultural elements of Sydney, and so therefore of the colony. This is James Roos history. James Roos was a Cornish farmer born in 1760. At the age of 23, he was convicted of breaking and entering, or B&E, or a berg to us recidivists, <laughs> big word, and was sentenced to seven years transportation to Australia, where he was heard to say, Oh, f- what? Come on, Your Honour. I was just holding them watches for Troy. F- you, Troy. He arrived at Sydney Cove on the first fleet with 18 months of his sentence left remaining. Shit timing. Roos applied to Governor Arthur Phillip for a land grant to begin farming. Governor Phillip, desperate to make the colony self-sufficient, allocated Roos an allotment at Roos Hill, now Rose Hill, where he proved himself industrious and showed that it was possible to survive through farming. Other attempts at surviving included eating other convicts. So James thought, you know what? I think I'll plant me some kale. I've got a feeling it's about to take off. And besides, I'm not eating Troy. Troy, stop eating, Vincent. Bloody idiot. Such a Troy thing to do. Whilst at first his harvest didn't yield sufficient corn to feed the colony, Roos did produce enough seeds for the next year's crop, which was successful. Governor Philip rewarded Roos with the first land grant made in New South Wales, along with a gift of pigs and chickens. Roos was grateful, but he had specifically requested a case of bourbon and cola cans and a mail-order bride that didn't have scurvy or poo stains on her clothes. Rare things to come by in the colony. The land grant was 30 acres, enabling him to eventually sell 600 bushels of corn. Don't ask me what a bushel is. I thought it was something you saw in 80s porn. Anyway, Roos later exchanged the grant for more fertile land on the Hawkesbury River. In later life, having been almost bankrupted by flooding, he was heavily in debt and only the hard work of his wife saved him from bankruptcy. Who says mail-order brides don't work? Roos found work as a seaman. (laughs) Sorry. And later, a farm overseer in Minto, which was later changed to Minnow, once it was inhabited by people who can't even pronounce the name of their own town. He died at Campbelltown on the 5th of December, 1837. Probably stabbed. Yeah, it would have been stabbed. The memory of James Roos is perpetuated in the naming of key locations across Sydney, including James Roos Agricultural High School in Carlingford, James Roos Drive and the suburb of Roos. Although this appears to be an amazing legacy, Troy had a Brad Pitt film named after him, so Troy wins. (laughs) That is way more interesting than when you try to tell me stuff in the office. Yeah, because the music. See? Yeah, absolutely. If I, I travelled with a soundtrack, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get myself an old school beatbox. I'm going to put it on my shoulder and I'm going to play that music and then I'm going to talk at people and we go, he's suddenly become I'd interesting. Listen. I would listen. Just go, well, he was never interesting. Now he is. This is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Liam. Yes. Got a quiz? Yeah, I have. Boom. <laughs> Boom. And you were worried about the last break. Yeah. Um, so the, the dual citizenship saga continues with all our MPs. The mm. latest one today is crossbencher Nick Xenophon. Yeah. It's become the latest oh. senator with think, serious questions being asked about his eligibility to I sit I think the giveaway there is in his name, though, don't you reckon, Loz? Yeah. Xenophon. The, yeah. I mean, and seriously, it's made he's up. He's got pom-poms on his shoes mm. and he's wearing <laughs> yep. pantaloons. Mm-hmm. 
and he's always right. playing the xylophone. Yeah. He's like, what? And, and he's bazooki. So there's concerns that... Mouthfuls of masaka for no reason. There's concerns that Mr. Zetaphon could be a British citizen after it was revealed his oh, father travelled uh, from Cyprus to Australia on a British passport. Cyprus, okay. Now, uh, this has been going on for a while. Uh, so I've got a little quiz based around the dual citizenship problem that's going on in Parliament. Okay. So, uh, buzzer names. Oh, buzzer names. Loz, what are you going with today? Why don't we uh, go with our favourite genus of plant? I'll okay. go with hibiscus. <laughs> I'm going to go with sativa. Uh, cannabis sativa. <laughs> no, hibiscus. Wrong. What's wrong with you two? Okay. What's wrong okay, with this? Where yeah. do we begin? We don't have enough time, Liam. Let's What's on. right would be quicker to answer. Okay. Got... First okay. question. Nick Xenophon is the seventh parliamentarian caught up in the dual citizenship crisis. Name three others. Hibiscus. Yes, oh. hibiscus. Um, uh, Ludlam from WA. Yeah. One. Um, uh, What's her name? Come on. Going to have to tell Larissa me Larissa Waters. Larissa. Two. Yeah. One more. Uh, I don't know. And... one. Barnaby Joyce. Oh, Correct. Ugh. Correct. The other ones you could have gone with were Matt Canavan, yeah, yeah. Canavan. your mate. Fiona, Fiona Nash. Don't dig that coal mine, Canavan. <laughs> oh, you can't because you're not real. And Malcolm Roberts. All right. Okay. Three birth Canavan. <laughs> One the hibiscus <laughs> and none to whatever Merrick called himself. Former Deputy Greens leader Larissa Waters quit after it was revealed she held dual citizenship in Canada. Hibiscus. Oh, okay. I was going to say Canada. Here we go. According to the Canadian national anthem, what do Canadians stand on guard for? Sativa. Yes. Maple syrup. <laughs> Hibiscus. Um, mounted police. Sativa. They stand on guard for thee. Stand on guard for thee? What the f- What does that even mean, you stupid idiots? Bears. Sorry, I don't want to be racist with Canadians, but... Bears. What does that mean? Lumberjacks. <laughs> lumberjacks and bears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the bears are actually humans, if you know what I mean. The lumberjacks yep. and the bears, right. they mix. Mm. All right. One yeah. hibiscus, zero to... Marriage equality. Yeah, bingo. And we support that 100%. <laughs> mm. What That's does wrong. the name Xenophon mean? Uh, sativa. Yes, sativa. It means uh, if you're xenophobic, you're fearful of other people... So if you're a xenophon, you are it's people and telephones. Uh, telephones. <laughs> you are it's a, a human hybrid, half man, half, half phone, telephone. half telephone. Mm. Uh, incorrect. No, it's there. It uh, it means foreign or strange voice. Um, okay, That's exactly what I just said. Yeah, the half man, half mobile phone. Okay. In 2007, One Nation leader Pauline Hanson took part. Hibiscus. <laughs> <laughs> Burka. <laughs> not, not quite. In 2007, one lady. Redhead. <laughs> Have you got Fire Tourette? <laughs> okay. No. Hold on. In 2007, one nation leader, Pauline Hanson, took part in a DNA test. Ginger pube. <laughs> Organised. <laughs> Fan of pants. <laughs> I'll give you a point for that one. In 2007, One Nation leader Pauline Hanson took part in a DNA test organised by a Queensland newspaper in which a mouth swab of her genetic material found her to include 9% of what? Oh, what came out of her mouth? What was... 9%. So what was 9% in her mouth? In, and then, can we get it? Was it like they got right around the rim of her mouth and they scraped it? Is that how they did it later? What, the, they 9%, what, what, was, what it? was it found? 9% of what oh, was found I in her mouth. I so badly. The genetic Anger. material. That's not fair. No. Genetic material lost. <laughs> what kind of genetic material could you find 9% of All it right. in Pulling Anson's mouth. The answer Africa. Was... <laughs> Actually, that's not far off. The answer was Middle Eastern heritage. Oh, really? She was found to have uh, her her heritage was found to be thirty two percent Italy, Greece, so Turkey. So you she's had a kebab in her okay. mouth. <laughs> All right. So there's Middle Eastern and Italian in her mouth. <laughs> Last question. How does she get both Last of them? In <laughs> How does she get both nationalities in her mouth? <laughs> Stop but it. But no African. <laughs> Was there any Queenslander in there? You stopped it, Liam. Perhaps when she was younger. <laughs> what three things is the last question? Oh. <laughs> Are you sure you want to do this?
What three yeah. things do you have to demonstrate a clear understanding of to become a Dutch citizen? <laughs> oh, hibiscus. Oh, yeah. Go for it, hibiscus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you've got to the dikes, tulips, <laughs> vin mills, clocks, and uh, elegance. <laughs> also, uh, multiple orgasm. The Kundalini Pathway. <laughs> this is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Lawrence Mooney with me today. And Loz, there's always something happening in the political arena, isn't there? In fact, uh, Mayor as you know, we've got uh, unfettered access to the Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. He's one of the friends of the show, Big yep. Mal. Loves Malcolm it. Turnbull. And uh, as a father, I guess this Sunday he'll probably be celebrating Father's Day. Oh yes, he's, of he's a father, and uh, as are we. How many kids? So, is, how many kids has Big Mal got? He's got two, Daisy and Alex. What do they and, do? Uh, what do they do for a living? Oh, be rich, right? <laughs> Just be rich people. Well, that sounds like, um, that sounds like I a good think job. Alex works in New York, and I think Daisy's a mum. Right. The uh, the mother of two children herself. But anyway, enough of the Turnbull family tree. Let's ha- find out what's happening in Big Mal's voicemail. It's the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull speaking. This Sunday is Father's Day and I'd like to pass on my best wishes to all of the fathers out there, except, of course, labour-voting deadbeat dads welshing on parental payments. (laughs) My father, Bruce, was a single father and I wanted for nothing, except a mother, of course. But never mind. I have fond memories of Bruce taking me up the Hawkesbury, and that's not a euphemism. Anyway, happy Father's Day. (laughs) Tell me what you want for Father's Day and leave a message. Turnbull! Turnbull, you Sangiovese supping ninny. What I'd like for Father's Day to see your tiny bonds underneath my size 14 boot. I'd like to see Barnaby Joyce do the harker. No, I'm only kidding. What I really want is to enjoy a 13-course breakfast in bed served by my beautiful children. Beautiful. You made me cry, Turnbull. You gonna pay for this? It's Lazarus! <laughs> Oh, hello, Malcolm. It's Rudy Vanstone, the stereotypical Dutchman from Merrickville calling. On Father's Day, I have a, I have a traditional Dutchman's Day. I get up early, put on my clogs, uh, work on my tulips for a while in the garden, build a windmill, stick my finger in a dike, smoke some dough Egbert, pop tobacco, eat some profiteries, then uh, explore some new lovemaking positions with my wife, Marta. That's uh, just a beautiful, lovely day for us. It's Rudy Vanstone here. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> no, my name is the Turnbulls and Jackie Lamby speaking. Even though I came from a broken home, I'm very proud of what my parents provided and achieved, Mr Turnbulls. <laughs> my father has had a hard time of it too, and I, I love him. And so on Father's Day, I go down to the caravan park where he lives, and we illegally discharge firearms into the paddock next door whilst destroying a f- mountain of piss. And then we have a traditional arm wrestle. Loser gets locked in the woodshed, Mr Turnbulls. I've won the last five years because he's arthritic and he's got a work-related injury. <laughs> Bam! Jackie wins again. Jackie. <laughs> Hello, Malcolm. It's Christopher Pine speaking. Minister for Industrial something or other. I can't remember. Oh, I love Father's Day. Call me Daddy. Who's your Daddy? I'm your Daddy. I'm your Daddy. Who's your Daddy? Oh, I'm your Daddy. Oh, I'm a Daddy. I just like a traditional kind of Father's Day too. I get up and go to a sauna for a couple of hours and then I open presents. I'll ask for the same old thing, Malcolm. Cravats, BG's albums and Liberal Party Royal Blue Silk Undies. <laughs> undies. <laughs> it's Pino. This is the best of Merrickville. Triple M. Thank you for visiting Merrickville. And be a Merrickvillian. Uh, Merrickvillite. Merrickvilleman. Join us on Facebook or Twitter at Merrickville FM 104.9. Triple M.